Hello, everyone. Welcome to, I think, the first ever live Raise Your Voice. We've done the Instant Reaction podcasts, but it's Raise Your Voice. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined, as always, by Darby Robinson, here for a live reaction to the tender deadline, everyone's favorite day of the offseason. So much exciting news. And so we thought we'd bring it to you guys live. We can get the instant big reactions to mostly fairly clear bureaucratic uh, shuffling of papers. I will say the Atlanta Braves seem to be doing some roster spot laundering or something. They've got something weird going on. They've shipped like (laughs) six players out in the last two days. Some significant names in there too. I mean, guys that maybe had like Mike Soroka would be the biggest example having just huge, like terrible injury luck and kind of falling out of favor there, but they're doing some weird stuff. I think there needs to be an investigation. uh, There should always be an investigation to the Braves. (laughs) They've sneakily done a lot of stuff. They, they, they made like the splashiest trade before the tender deadline, I guess. It is a lot of names, but it's one of those trades that's very funny to see the reactions to because it was like a six to one trade, yeah, which you don't see often. And Um, I I think if most, if not all of those six players were 40 men on the 40 40 man roster. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what the Chicago White Sox are doing. Um, That's a perennial. You could just say that every I just I'm I'm in a constant state of not knowing what the Chicago White Sox are doing. They, a lot of, but yeah, this is a weird trade. I think um, uh, Dan Zaborski uh, mentioned it was basically all the people that are saying this is like a haul. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to trade them a crumpled five and four ones for their crisp 20. Like, <laughs> uh, like it's, it's a lot of stuff. And there are some names that you know, but is there anything good in there? Maybe not. And Aaron Bummer, who has been injured a lot, uh, had a really unlucky year. Not a bad year. And as Rays fans can attest, a Chicago White Sox lefty with stuff plus numbers through the roof struggling in Chicago doesn't mean they're going to struggle outside of Chicago. Jake Beekman, love you, have you here. I thought... I thought Bummer might have been or ended up as a Ray this offseason. Like that, that seemed the White Sox bullpen was filled with bullpen arms that I love, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. they all were terrible for them, but they were all like arms that I was like, uh, high on. Beekman and Bummer were were high on that list. So I think it's, I think it was actually a really good trade by the Braves. They traded a bunch of people. Like Nikki Lopez, that's like a DFA. Like right. who's who's keeping Nikki Lopez on a 40-man spot on, in the year of our Lord 2023? Uh the Chicago White Sox. Mm. I guess. And they're under new know. leadership, right? New front office for the White Sox. Yes, they are. Um, okay. So I don't know. I mean, Mike Soroka is a interesting lotto ticket get. You know, he but I, I just don't know how much he has left in him. Like, I don't know if there's much, like, he only had two pretty, he had a a part of a good year. Like, he, he hasn't mm-hmm. even pitched very much with through in between, like, catastrophic uh, injuries. So no. it's, it's an odd, it's an odd thing. 
in my in my baseball brain, like seeing Mike Soroka in a trade, like my I was like, oh, oh, I have to take a look at this um, because it just I remember how impressive he was in that rookie season, and this Braves rotation as it currently stands. And we're going to get to the Rays in just a second, but we got to talk about some league news here. Um, yeah, he was supposed to be a part of this this young, really talented Braves rotation with guys like Max Freed, and then eventually Spencer Strider. And um, yeah, it just uh, feel bad for the guy, but hopefully, you know, that's why we're going to get to the Rays in a second. Guys that might benefit from these trades to different organizations. Not only do they get a change of scenery, but they're, they're going to get some more opportunities to play at the big league level that they might not have uh, for contending teams that have really deep rosters and they want to continue to add to them like the Atlanta Braves and like the Tampa Bay Rays. And that brings us to the trade that the Rays made today. Eric Neander, Peter Bendix on the phone, sealing the deal. Uh, Vidal Brujan, former top prospect, uh, and Calvin Fauche, who was acquired by the Rays in the Nelson Cruz trade, like alongside Nelson Cruz, um, they have been sent to the Miami Marlins in exchange for Eric Lara, Andrew Lindsay and a player to be named later. Uh, Darby, I mean, first first reaction to, I guess, Vidal Ruhan is the biggest name in this trade being moved. I love these trades this time of year because they're, they are entirely what a team like the Rays should be doing is moving pieces that are just not quite in the short or long-term plans for opening roster spots because before we talk about the return because there actually is something interesting in this return uh but even without the return roster spots are valuable we talked about it last week or i mentioned it you know there is this sort of currency to 26 man roster spots and 40 man roster spots that trading somebody for somebody that's not on the 40 man or not needed to be added yet is valuable even if that player you know three years down the road doesn't do anything you don't want to trade valuable impact players but if you are a guy like Vidal Brujan and Calvin Fauche I love this trade for somebody like Peter Bendix in the Marlins you know you might get something there from these guys Fauche has crazy high stuff plus on his curveball he's somebody that that absolutely has flashed some exciting stuff he has not been able to do it uh, in the major leagues. He has struggled mightily and clearly Bendix is a believer there. And I, I totally think that's somebody you can absolutely add to that pen. If it doesn't work out. Oh, well, and Bruhan, somebody we've, we've long talked about. He he's too good to just be in the minor leagues, but he has not been good enough in the major leagues. He, he seems scared of running. So with, if he's not using his speed, that's a, that's a problem. His bat hasn't been able to be there. He showed some really weird defense. Like it yeah. felt like Bruhan was so in his head yeah. in Tampa Bay where it just seemed like he was struggling, like wanting to stick around, wanting to impact, failing, being exposed at this level. Uh, a change of scenery could do him wonders. Um, so I think from Peter Bendix and the Miami Marlins point of view, you get Bruhan was a formerly really high prospect. Uh Fauche has some really great raw stuff. That's not a bad option to try, see what you can get there. For the Rays, you open two 40-man spots. 
you already kind of opened it with uh, Fauche, so you're getting something for opening mm -hmm. that spot. And then Bruhan was on the 40-man. You're opening now another spot there. So you're getting something for two people that you just need to get off of your roster to replace yeah. them with anybody else. Well, uh, and, and the Rays aren't going to just like if – they, if they don't like anything about Eric Lara and Andrew Lindsay – they would have just cut these guys loose. Like they're getting exactly. something in return. And like it, it's a it's a lottery ticket, right? Will Eric Lara ever play for the Tampa Bay Rays? Probably not. But maybe there's something in there. Maybe there's something in the swing they like. Um, so it's, it's, it's there, contrary. The key there is, I think, Eric Lara. He is very, very interesting. Uh, he is very young. So, yeah. like, who knows? Like, this is not a guy that's gonna be like five years from now. Uh, is when you should start like thinking about it. Right. Um, but he is 17 years old. Uh, at that same age, though, uh, Haman uh, Lee posted a a really nice breakdown with uh, Lara, uh, who's a shortstop, which could he may not stick. He's six two, so bigger body. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, at 17 again, like who knows? Everybody's a shortstop at 17, and then you you see where that goes. Um, but with uh, Lara, Caminero, and Mead all at their age, uh, kind of 17 uh, level, Mead at, at 18. Um, 133 WRC plus for Lara, 144 for Caminero, 132 for Mead, uh, all with uh, 800 um, OPS. Uh, really interesting, flashy bat at such a young age. We'll see where, where it goes, see how it develops. But he's somebody you don't have to make a decision on for a long time. He's somebody you don't have to worry about. Like, do you need to add this guy right away? This is this is a long-term solution. He's also a guy that I think this is, I am, I am not sure, but he's somebody that very possibly he the Rays foreign scouting, which has been one of their strengths, might have identified. A while back and may not have had a chance with him. Marlins might have been able to snag him. And now you you get another crack. There are, I think you mentioned this, you know, Vidal Bruhan did not get DFA'd to add somebody else to the rule five protection. That's mm -hmm. a that's on purpose. That's yeah. on purpose. Because you could have done that. I think they saw something in Bruhan enough, or at least knew his value enough to right. keep him so that you can now trade him. And I think Laura's interesting, interesting enough. And somebody that I think you definitely take, you roll the dice on because maybe he never even gets as good as Bruhan or as contributes as much as Bruhan, but that's, you know, four or five years from now when you have to find that out. I, I feel like Vidal Bruhan ended with a negative uh, war with the Rays. So maybe Eric Laura already has a higher, uh, <laughs> Pondry he's coverage. already impacted. He's uh, already done more. Uh, yes. I, I do. He, okay. Now, never mind. He, Vidal Bruhan was worth half a win through his time with the Rays. Okay. Um, there you go. But I do want to talk about Vidal Bruhan because like, first off prospects, they break your heart. But what I'll say about Vidal Bruhan, I don't know if we ever like him becoming a top prospect was against the odds. Like he reached yes. the pinnacle of this sport, the major leagues, uh, having been like just overlooked completely as a teenager, was given a relatively tiny uh, 
signing bonus by the Rays who gave him a chance. And at every level, he was undersized. He was short. He just didn't have any power. He didn't have a lot of the same, uh, you know, attributes that you expect out of a top prospect. Yet he became one. He was an incredible player at the AAA level, which is the minor leagues. But like the international league is, I mean, the second or third best baseball league in the world. Like maybe NPB is better than the international league. Like it's, I don't know, they're probably similar. I'd, I'd have to look into it more. But Vidal Brujan like did that, got into the big leagues, didn't have much success with the Rays. Like he is a success story and his major league career is not over now because he can go to the Marlins where like, I think his ceiling is probably a backup utility player. Um, but you know, you only get so many spots on it. You can only roster 13 position players and most likely he's going to be one of those for the Marlins. I think his most, uh, his biggest competition for a roster spot in Miami was another race prospect traded around this time of year to the Marlins, Xavier Edwards, who still has options. So maybe they can keep him in AAA, but I'm guessing that's going to be Vidal Brujan's biggest competition for that utility man roster spot in the Peter Bendix Marlins organization. Who get, who can slap a few singles more than the other and uh, <laughs> and make it make it to the? I would uh, say I would say the slap dick probably can. <laughs> I wasn't anyway. gonna call him that. Who who would go online streaming and call a prospect that Outweird. a two time Cy Young winner? Oh yeah, okay, never mind. Well, you 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 have two fewer Cy Young, so you don't get to call him that. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, you so have barely the shoe collection, so you you those are you. The, that's you true. Have to either have the kicks or the the Cy Youngs to be and, able to identify prospects. And Darby, I, I know we often joke on on this podcast and on who's on worst how how much younger I am, uh, but I have reached the age where like I'm just looking for comfortable shoes that get me through the day. You know, I had a nice shoe collection in high school. Now it's like I buy the same pair of Adidas every time in a different color just because they're comfortable. And I like them. Yep. So I've reached that age. You've reached the old man age of just knowing <laughs> what you like and then buying it in many yeah. shades of color. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the rest of that trade. Uh, the other uh, major league piece involved was Calvin Fauché, who the Rays acquired alongside Nelson Cruz in the deal that sent uh, Joe Ryan and um, the other pitching prospect that was involved in that trade um, back in 2021. So Calvin Fauché never really had like the great results, but the Rays clearly trusted his stuff and his potential as a reliever. Uh, And maybe it's evident that Peter Bendix was the one that was really pushing the Calvin Fauché agenda because one of his first moves as the president of baseball operations for the Marlins was to acquire him in this trade. Uh, Darby, what are your thoughts on on losing uh, Mr. Fauché? Uh, <laughs> that's, I think that's my thought is a deep sigh. Uh, I wish it could have worked out there. There absolutely is something in the raw stuff there, but for the Rays, they, they, they tested it out. They, they kicked those tires plenty. They took it around the block. The test drive just did not look good. They went back to the lot. They did the test drive again a couple times. They, they gave them the shot. Um, Here's the thing with the Rays. When you identify interesting pitchers, I am 
on board. I could see exactly where you would like Calvin Fauché. This, there's definitely stuff there, but I, you know, I think maybe different, different, different uh, thoughts in his head, different uh, voices in his ear. Maybe they can get some different coaching and, and, and kind of get it to all work and click. And here's the thing with relievers after a while, every reliever kind of has like one great year. So at the very least they down the line, he could, maybe it'll be with the Marlins. Um, but I, I think at a certain point, you know, you reach the end of the line. And I think the, the absolutely at this point, DFAing, trading, getting whatever you can, it, it had reached that point. The Rays, with, when it comes to roster spots, there's never an – there's never a – oh, a um, – I would say they're never lacking for interesting yeah. arms to try out. And I think with, with Fauché, I don't think he's showed enough to warrant another shot at that. Yeah. So it's time for the new Calvin Fauché to be traded for or signed as a, as a minor league free agent. Um, the thing is the, the Rays turn this out, right? For every Robert Stevenson or Jason Adam, there's some Calvin Fauché's that just mm-hmm. don't work, don't click. And that's fine. It's a numbers game. You, you take your shots. Not every prospect works out. Not every interesting arm with a crazy good and effective curveball will be able to get it over for strikes or effective strikes they may not be able to to command it enough um all these things kind of shake out so you you give it a, a try and it sometimes it works out you get a Chaz Rowe you get a Oliver Drake um you keep you keep taking these shots and occasionally there's a Dana Evelyn in there and it just doesn't work out but like I I think with the Rays they didn't uh, if Calvin Fauché is amazing, if he's nails next year with the Marlins, I wouldn't be shocked, but I also wouldn't be upset because I think they, they've given enough runway to at least be comfortable enough to say, all right, we're, we've seen enough. So we're going to get back to some more Rays news, but quite a bit of league news coming out. Um, Brandon Woodruff, non-tendered by the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I'm going to just run through a couple moves and then we'll kind of go into each of them. Um, Kyle Wright traded to the Kansas City Royals in exchange for Jackson Coar, uh, Braves and Royals swap. Interesting names on yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, interesting Matt, names. Matt Bush and Brett Martin, non tendered by the World Series champs. Um, I don't know if, how long ago this broke, but. The Royals, DFA, a a few interesting names. Diego, outfielder Diego Hernandez, left fielder or left-handed pitcher Austin Cox, catcher Logan Porter, and right-handed pitcher Josh Stalmont or Stomont. Stomont, yeah. Um, Yeah, Adam Simber, non-tendered by Toronto. There's a Um, fun arm angle. Luis Arias traded to the Mariners. Um, by the Boston Red Sox, Rowdy Telez, non-tendered. Um, I I want to talk about Brandon Woodruff real quick. Um, Jake Bowers or, traded by the way as well. Oh, no, yeah, Jake. Yeah. And as of now, team, teammates with Willie Adamas once again. Oh yes, hey, it's probably not going to last with the way the yeah. Bears are traded, but for the for the time being, we reunited. I, well, I'll get like I think the Brewers are going to be a train wreck next year. Like I. I'm very worried about where like they still have a lot of good players and they might not finish last in that division. Although I don't know, Pittsburgh, interesting names there. St. Louis, you have to imagine bounces back. 
uh, and Chicago looks to come and spend a lot of money this offseason. So and they have a really good manager now. Um, Brandon Woodruff, though, had shoulder surgery. The Brewers, by all accounts, were trying to trade him uh, throughout the day. Trade did not come to fruition, and they decided to non-tender him. And so those medicals can't look very good for Brandon Woodruff, can they? Uh, I don't think – I think they're just – the Brewers – see an $11 million price tag, which is what Woodruff was expected to make an arbitration. Yeah. And they do not want to pay that for the year. So the trade offers they were getting were probably not good enough to warrant holding them and trying to get more. They didn't think they could get more. They're not going to hold them for that last year, pay them and then try to trade them again. And I think this is just, they're not going to try to like resign them. I, I think this was just one of those things where they were like, all right, He's injured. Somebody else will pay for the rehab year. Question, and I, I think I know the answer. Um, so if he's the whoever signs him, because I imagine he'll, I know he'll miss. I think most, if not all, of the of the next season. Um, do you pick up like is he a free agent or do you pick up his arbitration? Like, does he enter as? I, I have to do some research on that. Um, I believe that he still gets the ARP. I don't think that I don't yeah. think you can get away from that. I think that's right. the whole idea. Is he doesn't have enough service to service time to declare free agency, right? So I think it's whoever picks him up has to yeah. pay the ARP. Um, but again, I think the idea would be he he will be because so now cutting him right now. Somebody could pick him up, and then what you do is. You you basically negotiate. Yeah, you negotiate a Nathan Avaldi deal where right. you say it's oh, just a one year deal. free agency, and we'll pay. You know, it's like maybe five million and twenty million. Because he doesn't go through waivers now. He he is just free to talk to anyone, right? Non tendered. Yeah. So this yeah. I'm I'm this is straight up free agent right now. So he is he is a free agent. Um, can sign for any amount of money. So I think that actually is the thing. I guess you're not technically you're not on the ARB. Nope. Only people that were on the ARB would be his team. He could sign for a dollar mm-hmm. for the rehab. So more than likely, what will happen is you either sit out the whole year if he wants to, um, which he then has to pay for the rehab costs. So probably not. Uh, or you see a team that wants to do this. I think this is one of those things where I, I could see the Rays getting involved. Yeah. In this. No, that's where I'm this going. Is, this is a, this is a, t- I would say a lot of smart teams would absolutely be interested in this. The Rays do have an open spot right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I don't think there'll be a, again, this is the interesting thing is you, you, you do have to look at the medicals. You do have to know, like, is there, is his, shoulder just absolutely shredded and you don't think he can come back i think brandon woodruff is too good to not like at least take a shot at it right and this this is twofold like this is how the rays get value in free agency right like what's a guy where you're going to get a discount on but the upside is still there 
Will it work out? It's not 100%, but the Rays have taken those risks. They've taken those risks and won, and they've taken those risks and lost before, and they're comfortable with that and they're because they're confident in their process. But Brandon Woodruff for – I don't know, he's been in the he's been in the big leagues for like seven years now, has been really good. Um, he's pitched in like I think f- five full seasons, um, but was in the bullpen for the Brewers in 2018. Um, but has posted like this past year only through 67 innings, uh, but had a 2.28 ERA. It wasn't necessarily his best season. He'd probably go back to 2021 where he threw 179 innings, 2.56 ERA. Uh, he had a 30% strikeout rate. His walk rate has been pretty consistent throughout his career, hovering right around 6%. Um, and he's just a has been a really consistent starter. And I just it's you know, and, and for for Woodruff, what better place to go rehab and get your career back on track than with the race? So here's here is the thing, right? So yeah, that's that's the part where the Rays have done a really good job. You don't go to the Rays to get a lot of money, but the Rays have a great reputation as a pitching factory with some of the greatest coaches and managers you can imagine, uh, including adding a very well-respected Angels uh, pitching coordinator, thanks to Troy Percival <laughs> yeah. saying, Bloody there's Colorado. too much analytics, fire everybody. And then immediately the Rays are like, how about we give you some money to be our pitching coordinator? Uh, Angels fans, God, it's a waking nightmare. Um, you look at the Rays, they have a great pitching. They have invested a lot in analysts and coaches and mm-hmm. their philosophy has worked really well at just developing great pitching throughout the minor leagues to the yeah. major leagues, a holistic approach where players consistently praise them for their their efforts as being just obviously really smart, but also like really good, like to work Mm -hmm. with, like a really respectful organization that that treats players the right way. Uh, You saw that with so many rehabbing players. Uh, Johnny Venter is like one of the the big stories, right? Like former former all-star great reliever whose arm just imploded several times over. couple of seasons with the Rays in the minor leagues uh, rehabbing and then made it back to the majors uh, and then was even traded to the Braves as sort of a, a tip of the hat move uh, from the Rays. Like, like, again, this is another move that they didn't need to do. They, they had, again, it's when you're in the, the system, they're paying for your rehab, they're working with you. Um, so the Rays have consistently, Nathan Evaldi's also spoken highly of that, process he was somebody that again signed a two-year deal where the first year was entirely injured um the Rays are a team that could absolutely be involved in this and they can make a pretty good case for come in do your rehab we get one year with you and then you can you can become you know you can then get the deal that you're warranted if you come here and pitch amazing which the Rays are always going to build a great defense around you, a great bullpen behind you, uh, a team that will will consistently be very successful for pitchers. You can then get a nice big paycheck, right. maybe one last one. Uh, Woodruff's in his tough spot. He's he's age thirty. He's going to miss this entire year. 
So 31, he really does need to have, like, he needs this to work. So, like, don't right. go to the Rockies. Don't go, don't well, go to the Angels. And, and for a player like him to have this injury, like, two, like a year and a half before he was going to be a free agent, he was going to be in. I haven't looked at the pitching free agent market like for next year. I mean, Tyler Glass now is going to be on it. Um, but like he was going to make a lot of money and he still might. Hopefully he comes back. Like it's not going to be as much. Uh, but hopefully, it, I just think it makes a lot of sense for the Rays. You know, Brandon, if uh, you know, you're not going to be pitching next year. So you're going to be spending all your time in Port Charlotte and in St. Pete. You know, no state income tax. You don't have to pay. And the New York state income tax, when you're traveling to play the Yankees, you're just going to stay at St. Pete and in Port Charlotte, you know, nice, sunny and rainy weather in the summer. Um, like, what a, what, it's a perfect place to rehab an injury. I, I, I don't, it seems like it makes too much sense, uh, but I, I imagine he'll have plenty of I don't know if he has kids, but, but kids love beaches. Where, yeah, where's Brandon Woodruff from? I was just looking that up. I was just looking that up. Uh, well, he was Southern. Uh, yeah, Mississippi. Mississippi. He from was from Birthplace uh, Elvis. Wheeler High School in Mississippi. Well, I'm uh, sure he probably vacationed in Mississippi State University. Nice. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a golf he's a Gulf Coast boy. Yeah. Look at that. So um, yeah, so originally born in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um yeah, get back uh, to the south. Get back to the south. A couple other I, I also would we... say this as well, like the Dodgers, the Braves, the Astros, like if you're a smart organization. Be like, here's a two year deal. Come rehab, yeah. Get one year. I mean, that's I, that's the offer, right? The, the choice is basically you sit out and you do it on your own, and then test it one year mm-hmm. without any kind of buildup. Or, I mean, I guess if no team is really offering them anything, then that's you kind of have to do that. But I, I think this seems like you shop around, you see which organization. I think you look at you you eliminate so many orgs right off the bat because I think you're only going to get like serious teams involved you need great medicals great situation great one-year launching pad spots you're not taking anything longer than a two-year deal you're mm-hmm. you're getting one year of work and then you are getting the free agency so i don't know i think there's like a i think there's like an interesting interesting option there for a lot of smart teams and i hope the rays are involved because I think they can make the really good case for the medical side of things. And I think they'll, uh, if I, and they do this all the time. And this is not necessarily like there's no second place in free agency. Like you either sign the player or you don't. Uh, but they'll be there to like price check either way to make sure like no one gets an absolute steal on Absolutely. Brandon Woodruff. Absolutely. Um, because I think they're comfortable taking that on, even if he at the in the end he doesn't choose the Rays, um, because he'll he'll have choices. And the Rays we think are great, but there are other awesome organizations too. Um, like the Texas Rangers, who just seem to be spending tons of money and winning lots of trophies now. So a um, couple other moves before we get out of here tonight um, that we can go through pretty quickly. Uh, the uh, deadline to add prospects to the 40-man roster uh, to protect them from the Rule 5 draft passed earlier this week. Um, there were a couple of interesting names left off, like Cole Wilcox, who is now the last remaining a part of the uh, Blake Snell trade. Blake Hunt, after we talked about him uh, a couple weeks ago, was immediately traded to Seattle? Um, uh, yes. Okay. 
And then uh, Cole Wilcox was left off, so he is he goes unprotected uh, along with a few other prospects, but Cole was definitely the biggest one, um, a former guest of this podcast, by the way. And uh, it was Austin Shenton and Yoniel, I don't know the name pronunciation quite yet, uh, Yoniel Cure, Rays Minor League Pitcher of the Year, uh, but has no experience above uh, high A. And the Rays still felt the need to protect him because it's pretty clear that he has got some nasty stuff. Uh, so let's talk about him first. Darby, how much do you know about Yoniel and why do you think it was so important that the Rays protected him? To be honest, what I know mostly through him is through smarter people than me um, who, who have watched him. And the every report I've read from every scout, every person that's been like kind of following him at Baseball America as well, you know, every it's basically unbelievable stuff, extremely live arm, wild as all hell. <laughs> yeah. So and, and you look at his minor league numbers, extremely high K rate, very high walk rate. So it, it's your classic tale of uh of some low a low a uh pitchers great stuff clearly loud stuff has nowhere idea where it's going but if you do get it a little bit more zoned in there's something special here i was a little surprised that they protected him to be perfectly honest but he's also a guy he's he's 21 going into 22 could be a guy like Different, different makeup entirely, but like uh, Jose Alvarado, who moved fairly yeah. quickly. The Rays even moved him very quickly from Double uh, A all the way to the majors, and uh, has had a very successful uh, relief career with similar stuff. Unbelievable, like stuff with really wild command. Um, and he's the type of guy that I think a team, especially a bad team, could like take ruin developmentally by having to stick him in the majors the whole year and then uh, be able to, to try to hide him back. So I think the Rays going out and saying, we need to add this guy is very interesting to me. That is a yeah. really interesting sign. Um, we talked about Cole Wilcox and uh, Ian Seymour, two guys that they did not um, protect who are a bit more advanced pitching uh, prospects though both have some pretty good warts, injuries, uh, again, command. So poor, poor results. Like like Wilcox, I think he's got to be at the point where he's a little bit older than uh, most players in the Southern League with the Biscuits. Maybe he's right around the right age. But for a, a higher-rated prospect, you would expect him to have performed a little better, uh, but it seems like it's taken him some more time to recover from his Tommy John surgery. Yeah, and I didn't like – I always say, I say it every year, and I'll just say it this year because when it gets closer to the Rule 5, I'll say it again. The Rule 5 draft is not nearly as important as you think it is. Yeah. However, whatever you're thinking, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't think the Rule 5 draft is that important, it's less than that. If you think right. it's really important, it's very much less than that. I think when the, the, the team, there's so few, and people just remember it because it's sort of the like, uh, survivor fallacy where where like the the for every one Dan Ugla or Johan Santana there's just like a thousand people who go unclaimed or claimed and then returned and 
whatever. And or just, just like really out. like like guys like Kevin Kelly. Oh yeah, Kevin Kelly's here. Uh, yeah, we got him in the Rule Five draft. <laughs> and that's probably one of the biggest. That's that's going to be one of the bigger success stories of like the last ten years in the Rule Five. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will str- like straight up. He was a very successful reliever, but a middle reliever, not like right. And, and the Diamondbacks got got even better production in a short period of time from Ryan Thompson, who the Rays DFA'd because he was bad. And like Kevin Kelly next year could be bad. You know that. That's, but that's the type of guy that like could be really good in the rule five draft, but may not be like a franchise altering guy. So I think you get like a, a Cole Wilcox and a Seymour or Cameron Meisner, uh, Ronnie Simone. These are guys that I think teams, especially the Rays, are not going to leave unprotected, extremely high ceiling impact players. They're yeah. going to leave people who, if they get selected, all right, okay. Uh, if not, okay, cool. We'll keep them. Uh, that's, that's who is left on the rule five and you never, you can get some cool options there, but a team like the Rays should not be loading up the 40 man. I I was figuring they were going to add about maybe two to three. They did only two, which yeah. great. That's fine by me. Like Austin Shenton is the only one, and we'll, we'll talk about him next. But he's the only one that I thought was like they needed to. Yeah, that was a lock, I think. That was um, the only one. After that, though, like Pure was the one guy that I thought had the most exciting stuff of any of the right. pitchers that are there. The least advanced, though. So I was like, do you roll that dice there? Do you not? I think it's very telling that the Rays decided to, to keep him, though. I, to add him to the 40-man is like a – it's a big step. Mm-hmm. Um, be in double A next year, and and that's I mean I think a team as advanced in pitching as the Rays, uh, I think that's a really I think that's a, a very bullish sign on what they see or what they think they have in uh, Yoniel Curé. Yeah, I want to talk about Austin Chenton some more because I do think that was an important player to protect. Um, one reason for that is that like the team is pretty thin in left-handed bats right now, especially if you take Wander Franco out of the equation for 2024, uh, him being a switch hitter. Um, your left-handed bats at the big league level are Josh Lowe, Brandon Lau, Luke Rayleigh, and then Taylor Walls as a switch hitter. Um, and then obviously Wander Franco as well. And then you could throw Jonathan Aranda in that mix, another left-handed bat, but a guy that is not proven at the big league level at all. Um, Brandon Lau, Huge injury history. Uh, you really can't expect him to get through a season unscathed anymore. As much as I love Brandon Lau, you just it's an unreasonable expectation at this point. Um, Luke Rayleigh and Josh Lowe. Josh Lowe, I'm a huge believer in. Luke Rayleigh, I think, is a really good hitter too. Um, but the track record's not long enough for me to think that he's going to put up the same numbers he did this year. If one or two of those guys goes down, like you're going to need to have another left-handed bat on the roster. And maybe they look in free agency and trades to add someone uh, with – you know, that's already a big leaguer that can come in and be a left-handed bat, maybe someone that can play a little first base um, or or some outfield, maybe some center field if you get rid of Manuel Margot. But for now, they don't have that. And Austin Shenton is a guy who I think uh, I, I would not expect him to come on and uh, light the, the world on fire if he gets to the big leagues this year for any stretch of time. But I, I, I think that's a guy you'd like to have as like backup. Um, press in case of emergency, uh, and that's Austin Shenton. So um, that one made a lot of sense to me. I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure they have reasoning. I wasn't in the room, um, but I probably would have protected Wilcox over Cure. Like, I just – I don't see any – like, this guy walked, like, 54 batters in 80 innings in A-ball 
last year as like a 20 or 21 year old. I don't see him pitching in the big leagues uh, this season. So like, I don't know, but he's got good stuff. So the Rays just maybe didn't want to take any chances there. Wilcox probably isn't going to pitch in the big leagues this year for anybody either. Although maybe he could have, you know, maybe he could be snatched up by one of these really bad teams and get some innings. Like maybe they want him to start in triple a and then they have injury issues and he's pitching in the big leagues. I don't know, but maybe the Rays don't mind that much. Maybe they've kind of moved on from the Cole Wilcox hype. I think there's a mix. I think when you don't add a player uh, to the in the Rule Five here, it's it's a it's two signs. I think it's one sign there is a bit of that potentially like uh, m- maybe this guy isn't the the in the future plans because you yeah. don't want to like potentially lose somebody for nothing. I also think it also could just be strategically this person isn't ready yet next year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think other teams are going to want to do that. I think the thing you also know is that, you know, what people have come up in trade discussions. Right. I think that's, I think that's a really big key and that, that should lead us into to Austin Shenton a bit. I mean, I wanted to talk about this because yes, he could be an impact player. Like you mentioned as a left-handed back coming up. I also think he could be an impact trade piece. Uh, maybe not the single, but like a part of one. There was a rumor that uh, a trade was near near the finish line. Again, who knows how close these things are? These are all just rumors that come out, and sometimes people say it afterwards just to you know whatever. Uh, that Austin Shenton to the Mariners for uh, Teoscar Hernandez. Um, the Mariners ended up not trading Hernandez. The Rays apparently balked at the price tag of Shenton for, for Hernandez. Yeah. Who knows where the truth is, but if that's sort of the like kind of general price tag, a pretty good bat, but a rental, uh, and Shenton is well thought of the Rays also then traded, you know, uh, Kyle Manzardo for, for Aaron Savali. So now you do have like a opening at that first base triple a level along with uh Jonathan Aranda I do think you have some interesting bat guys for like a first base DH type in Shenton in in Aranda in Curtis Mead uh you can't fit them all one you might keep and put on the team the others you might trade Mm -hmm. I think there's just a lot of value to to Shenton and and the Rays clearly see that uh he's the type of guy that you definitely some team would definitely pick up in the rule five because kind of like a feels almost like Nolan Jones esque in that, in that way of just like this person should be given a spot on a bad team to just, you know, have some fun and, and give them some at bats and see where it goes. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that Austin Shenton is in my plans for like the Rays in 2024, but I do think he is somebody that like him or Aranda is that maybe second piece with another piece that could bring back something that is an upgrade. And then let's talk about one player who, uh, or let's two, two players that I expected to maybe not be in the roster. I thought it was a chance if they're going to be moved, it'll be by this date. Uh, we'll start with Manuel Margot, who I, I, I still believe will not be on the 2024 Rays uh, because I think there's actually interest out there for him. And the Rays are maybe going to be able to get off the hook for his entire salary. I don't know that for sure. We'll wait to see if a deal materializes and what it looks like. But Manuel Margot, guaranteed contract, $10 million, so couldn't have been non-tendered. The Rays owe him that money unless they can trade him somewhere else. 
Uh, he is still here, although it seems the Mets and the Yankees, maybe a few other teams are interested in Manuel Margot. And then Harold Ramirez um, projected to make about $4.5 million in arbitration uh, this year. Was a non-tender candidate, but I, I, it would have been a little weird for the race to non-tender a guy that's had that much success with them as a platoon DH. Um, but maybe a trade would have materialized. Darby, are you shocked to see either or both of them still on the team right now? No, no, I'm not shocked. I think they're both. I think both are. Are I agree with you? Uh, I, I don't. I I could. I would be surprised if both are on the roster come 2024 opening day. I expect one or both to be moved. I think Margot is more likely to be traded. Yeah. Um, just because like Harold Ramirez is such a production you can't deny, but I think nobody believes it. Right. <laughs> like nobody believes that he can keep doing that. And so it's like this tough thing where it's like, you don't, but also, but also you, it is production you can't deny. So you don't just non-tender that. You don't just say 4 million is not worth it. We'll just cut this guy. But I do would like to see that upgrade, obviously. Manuel Margot worth a little bit more, but again, Margot has this is a starting outfielder for a lot of teams yeah. and definitely seems like there's been some traction. There's been a lot of smoke, a lot of teams kind of talking about it, which is usually not the Rays leaking stuff. So that's probably some agents and other teams, you know, kind of mentioning stuff out there. Um, So yeah, I, I I think both are going to be offered a lot. (laughs) I think they're going to come up in trade talks a lot. Um, I think one or if not both will be traded before the end of the season. Yeah, and I'm and I think I'm leaning. It's more likely that it's Margot. I, I agree with you there, um, Harold. I, I was pretty not hard on Harold, but I was just saying I wouldn't care if he was on the team or not. Like I think I'd rather use those DH at bats somewhere else. But uh, who knows? Maybe the Rays are comfortable with Yandy Diaz being your everyday first baseman and staying healthy, like he did this season. Um, and I'll give him a lot of credit for that because he was clearly banged up. I think like the entire year, or like since at least May. And um, really was a trooper and won the AL batting title and finished sixth in MVP voting. That's Silver that's just Slugger. how awesome he is. Yeah, Silver Slugger Award. Um, we hadn't brought that up either, but um, Yandy Diaz is turning into like one of the better players in franchise history. Um, he's played yeah, for like, like four seasons now. He was an all star. He's a Silver Slugger. I think only the second first race first baseman to win a Silver Slugger. It was Pena and. I can't imagine anyone – did Logan Morrison win one for his one year? Uh, I don't, I don't, think, I don't like, believe so. He, like, wanted to be in the home run derby, um, and he was really mad that he got left out. Anyways, um, but, yeah, uh, Harold Ramirez uh, – in the race can probably afford him now because it's pretty likely they're going to trade glass now from what the entire industry is reporting. Um, Topkin, Rosenthal – few other writers seem really confident that that's how that's going to end up, especially with the way the starting pitching free agent market looks right now. Um, so maybe the Rays don't mind. You know, I don't think it was a salary thing with Harold Ramirez. I think it was, is he really that good? I think, I, again, I think for so much of the Rays offseason is not so much money-based. I know they're, they're at the highest payroll they've been, but I think so much of the moves are based around so I, I, I've said this before. If the Rays felt that Tyler Glasnow is an unmovable impact mm-hmm. player, they could 
somehow find a way to to fit that in the payroll and they would move Margot and yeah Harold and, and other people. I think you trade glass now if you are both getting a mandate from ownership to to like let's tighten the belt a little bit. And like we've mentioned, you say 30 now. It's pitched over 120 innings once. If the offers and you're again, you're not trading them for nothing. Anybody that's yeah. out there making a making a trade Tyler Glass now trade in baseball trade values and is like, I can get them for like my 25th prospect and <laughs> cash. No, because every team in baseball is probably saying, We'll make an offer. Like, let's yeah. let's throw something out there. And so there is demand. There is demand. Uh so I, I think the Rays do it because you can impact the team. You can improve the team and compete and continue to compete as well as shedding salary. And I think that's the same with like Margot. I think if you were like, this is a, a player that we desperately need to keep, then you don't trade him, but you also can go, we can use this money better as well as free open a spot. And that's always been the case with Harold Ramirez. Mm-hmm. 4 million isn't much. It's the spot. It's there are 26 of these, right? Only 13 on the position side. Is Harold Ramirez the best? of the 13 possible use of that roster space. So I think roster space to me is still like money is a factor. Obviously that's a factor for every team. Uh, It's only overblown with the Rays, but it's, it's a factor for every team. The roster spot though is a big factor. And I think that is sort of, that is going to be a big question mark for the Rays with Marco, with Harold Ramirez, with, with Tyler Glass now with Brandon Lau, with, Randy Rosarena. I think like mm-hmm. there's Yandy Diaz. Like, I think you would need a, a huge overwhelming trade to be able to say like, what do, and then you need the other shoe. Like, what do you do mm-hmm. after that? What do you fill that spot with either, you know, whichever. Um, I do have another uh, te- non-tender deadline. Interestingness. Um, former, former uh, Ray Austin Meadows. Non-tender by the Detroit Tigers, along with Spencer Turnbull. Two two very interesting names. Yeah, Austin Meadows, I I don't know what his situation is. I I don't don't think there's really been an update, but that's not one where, like, you see Isak Paredes becoming, like, a really solid player for the Rays. And then, like, I'm laughing about how the Rays, like, pulled one over on the Tigers because Austin Meadows has missed considerable time. Um, uh, dealing with uh, anxiety, I think has has been talked about um, amongst some other things. We knew he he had you know vertigo during his time with the Rays, and that really affected him. And this is a guy who, like, at the time of the trade, like this is a controversial trade. Like, Rays fans weren't happy with that. This is a guy who had a hundred RBI season, was an All Star, um, was was a really solid, productive major league hitter, um, being traded in his prime for. a some quarter infield prospect that was a good prospect, but was not like, you know, some crazy uh, highly rated guy. And it just hasn't worked out with Detroit and, um, you know, dealing with health issues and it's unfortunate. And so I hope he gets a chance somewhere else. That's, that's really sad to see him uh, non-tendered. It is. He has one more year of ARB um, 2024, which is why he was non-tendered, but obviously tremendous talent and, uh, I just wish him well um, on his journey. And and he's only 28 still. Like, I mean, he's still very, very young. Yeah. So 
Um, I was hoping to see him and his brother play. I don't know if they ever played together in the big leagues, like a game together. I think they did spring training, um, but his brother is still a prospect or has come up with the Tigers. Um, All right. Okay. Interesting. Um, I want to go back to Harold Ramirez for just one second um, because we still don't know what the deal with Juan or Franco is, but I think the the Rays probably know more than we do. uh, And I think they're operating under the assumption that he will not be on the team on opening day or, you know, most likely for the entire season. And he was a very productive player for the race, a team that won 99 games that had one of, if not the best offense in the American league. Uh, You've got to be prepared to go into next season without that. And so keeping Harold Ramirez, like we said, that has a big league track record. Maybe the Rays can make more sense of it than we can. Like, it's not that I'm I'm not a Herald believer. Like I clearly think what he does is repeatable and it works. I'm just not convinced that he's that good. Like I, I don't know. I think he's a very interesting player, but he can hit at the big league level. Like especially if you're not trying to go out there and sign any of these free agents. Like I think they'll bring someone in, but probably someone on a cheap deal. It's you've got to hold on to those guys. Like you might have Taylor Walls playing a lot of shortstop next year and tell Junior Caminero you're you're 100% sure he's ready. So especially if you're going to lose Glass now, who is one of, if not your best pitcher, he's definitely your best of healthy pitcher going into the season. You know, you, you, you got to expect the Blue Jays are going to be back. The Yankees might get their crap together this offseason. Um, I don't know about Boston. I feel like they're not quite there yet. But it's not going to be a walk in the park to win 99 games and get back to the postseason next year. It never is. <laughs> it yeah. never is. I think that's the thing with the Rays is that they they rarely, if ever, stay put. Right. They never sort of see the team as like, we're good. Let's just roll it back. I think you kind of have to in the modern day game is to just like constantly be tweaking and changing. And, and it doesn't always work out. But I think the Rays have proven to be very very successful at maintaining a level of performance and success that that keeps them competitive year in year out and and i and i expect nothing less next year 99 games is a lot Mm -hmm. will they repeat that maybe maybe not it's one of those things though is the aim for that kind of mid 90s and then you know luck takes you the rest of the way either up or down Right. Depending upon the luck, health, uh, so many factors, so many. Factors. I mean, you look at you look at the Orioles, you know, that's not a team that was built to be 95 wins. And even they should have been a plus or minus five from their their maybe 80 win team that had a lot of things go right. And they just blasted past every possible projection. So um Long off season to come. There's not been any, nothing has really started yet, but this is the first little salvo. The Rays aren't involved in any of the craziness today. Everybody right. else is. It's it's some fascinating stuff. And I, the next time we talk could be interesting because the Rays might've picked up one of these. I will also say similar to the rule five draft, uh, we've been, it's, a, it's interesting to see these names like Brandon Woodruff or Spencer Turnbull, uh, Austin Nola, the yeah. you know cut like, but you know Kyle Wright traded, and it, a lot of these players are they're they're not good. There's like a, yeah. there's like there's some broken 
this is this is you're getting a discount for a read. Like Brandon Woodruff's shoulder <laughs> is shredded, and so it's like he has to get that recovered and repaired right. and you know returned. Kyle Wright missed all of last year, and I mean, like the he was not good, and then he got injured. So there, there's a reason why people are being non-tendered and it's not just like pure greed <laughs> there, yeah. there's a reason uh so temper those excitements but but that also doesn't mean that there isn't value to be had in some of these players and rebounds mm-hmm. so so like woodruff is very interesting it's just you're not you're not having amazing impact players just available to you uh for free right now it's it's just the it's an interesting time. It's the it's the the continued shuffle. You know, we hit these yeah. deadlines. This is another big one. After this, though, I think we start to see trades, we're free agents. Signing. Like we're probably a few and, days away from like some of the first bigger names in free agency. You know, starting to see uh, those you know tens of millions of dollars being thrown around in contracts and trades um, because now it's kind of like. This is the pre-planning of the offseason. All right, let's get our roster in order. Let's come up with a plan. Okay, these are the guys we want. These are the positions we need to address. This is how we want to attack going into the season. All right, we're going to move this prospect here, this guy over here. We've got two spots available. Let's roll. And so now we get to enjoy the offseason. Now it begins in earnest. We said this was going to be like, before we started, we said this is going to be a 30-minute podcast. We've gone for an hour, uh, but we've got, been live. I tried following some of the comments. I don't know if there were any comments, but uh, we did have some people watching. So maybe we'll do this more regularly throughout the off-season, and uh, it's less editing for me because then I just pull the live stream and just throw it up there. So uh, any other final thoughts on the non-tender deadline, Darby, and any other new moves that have come across the line? Uh, nothing else that I've seen yet. We'll see more as they trickle through, but uh, yeah, I, I think you said it best. This is sort of like the, we've, we've gone through the preamble of the yeah. off season, you know, minor shuffling roster spot, like shuffling Sp- the, stomach, the minor bugs. Stomach, stomach bugs, uh, people not washing their hands at the GM meetings, causing everybody to get sick. Um, yeah. I think there's been some shuffling uh, managers have been selected. General managers have been selected. Uh, Rule five prospects have been protected. The non-tenders have happened. And now, now we know what teams have. We These are the players that they are. The players that people have right now are the players too valuable to just expose. So they have some trade value. These are the prospects that are too valuable to just expose for free. So now what's left is, do you need to open space for a free agent? For a trade do you need to move some stuff when see like the braves make that move we go okay they're opening space what does that mean there's another shoe to drop the rays they opened up a roster spot what does that mean is it a signing is it a trade and what happens with the rest i think the soft season starts in earnest now let's do it all right well that's going to do it for this week's live episode of raise your voice um thank you guys for listening as always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of the great Rays coverage. We will talk to you next week.